A few weeks ago, my niece started a unit on fractions with her class. Every time she had a comparison problem, such as comparing one-half with three-fourths, she would say something like, three-fourths are greater than one-half. After hearing comparisons like this a few more times, I decided to ask her this question. What is a fraction? So what would your answer to this question be? What do you think her answer was? She told me that a fraction is something that has a top number and a bottom number. This is the response that I have also heard from my years in the classroom and from working with children in my role as a math coach. Maybe this is a definition that you've often heard too. When I was growing up, I used this language of top number and bottom number too, because this is how I was taught. And when I first started teaching, I continued to use that language, not because it literally is a number on top, but honestly, because it was easier for me to just say that in order to indicate where I was talking about when referencing a numerator, even though it's not technically true. I hope you're reflecting on your own practice right now to think about whether you as an educator or a parent have used this phrasing of number on top or bottom number before. Considering that a high percentage of U.S. students lack conceptual understanding of fractions, even after studying fractions for several years, chances are that many of you at some point have used some of this phrasing too. But if it isn't true, then we shouldn't be saying it. Children take us literally and at our word, which means we have to be extremely intentional with our words. This fraction series is on a mission to deepen our understanding of fractions so that we understand exactly why phrasing such as top number and bottom number can hinder a child's understanding, as well as what to say and do instead. Welcome to the Kids Math Talk podcast where in each episode, we give parents and educators practical tips and insights that will deepen mathematical understanding while also encouraging the conversation about math to remain active and positive. I'm your host, Desiree Harrison, elementary math coach and Kids Math Talk founder. In part one of this series, we talked about the five mental actions that are needed in order to have a deep understanding of fractions. But what exactly is a fraction? Children and adults alike often have different interpretations of how to describe a fraction. In this episode, part two of the series, we define the term and also discuss instructional moves for all elementary teachers, kindergarten through fifth grade that lead to a deeper understanding of fractions. Be sure to pause right now and press that subscribe button to know when the next episodes about fractions understanding are released. To start, let's go back to the definition of a fraction that my niece gave. A fraction is something that has a top number and a bottom number. First and foremost, a fraction is a number, not a something. The word something suggests that fractions are separate in children's eyes, just a random part of math that is talked about near the end of the school year. According to the text, Teaching Student-Centered Mathematics, fractions are numbers with special names that tell how many parts of that size are needed to make the whole. 
Did you hear that important phrase, of that size? Oftentimes, when fractions instruction begins, this important relationship is completely left out, which opens space for us to just slice circles and rectangles and ask gathering information questions, such as how many are shaded in and how many pieces do we have all together? But we've all seen countless worksheets and journal pages with this very wording. So really, what's the big deal? These are valid questions, right? They are valid. These questions, however, are basic. They're only collecting information about whether a child is essentially able to count one-to-one and then mimic the teacher's explanation of how to write in fraction notation. When we ask children questions such as these, we are not empowering them as learners. We are actually inviting them to disengage from authentic thinking and learning. When referring to fraction notation, these questions also lead to language 2 over 6 instead of 2 sixths of the whole, which makes it sound like each component of the fraction is a whole number. We are adding to a child's confusion about the definition of a fraction. We must do better than this. Thinking through all of this helped me understand why my niece was saying three-fourths are greater than one-half. The concept image she has formed and is beginning to internalize emphasizes procedures and the abstract fraction notation and also incorrectly reasons that three and four in the number three-fourths are in fact two separate numbers. When viewing three-fourths in this way, it makes sense to use the word are instead of is when comparing fractions. Loving this podcast? Great! Pause right now and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. And while you're there, leave us a review on Apple so that others can find these episodes. We are stronger together. In episode six of the podcast, Creating Powerful Visual Images, we learn that once a visual image of a concept has been built, it becomes increasingly difficult to change as a child gets older. We have to begin to shift our instructional moves in order to build these powerful visual images that help children create connections in their minds and think about relationships. But where do we start? What instructional moves should we be using to tap into children's funds of knowledge about fractions and to ensure a deeper understanding? Children, even those in lower elementary, need to understand that a fraction is a number. It represents a quantity. When written in number form, a fraction has three key components. A part of the whole that is written above the fraction bar, the fraction bar itself, and a part representing the whole that is below the fraction bar. Sometimes these components are referred to as elements of a fraction. Notice how I said component, not number, because it takes the top component along with the bottom component in order to create one fraction. But before moving to this abstract fraction notation, children need experiences with concrete representations 
and also pictorial representations in order to be flexible thinkers about fractions. The text Extending Children's Mathematics, Fractions, and Decimals gives us some guidance when it states that what really makes a fraction is that it's a number whose value is determined by the multiplicative relationship between the numerator and the denominator. So what does that mean? Well, we can think about a fraction. So let's say 2 6. And the fact that this number, 2 6, is two times what you would get when dividing a whole into six parts. This is complicated thinking, and we need to give children many different experiences, along with time to think, meaningful feedback from us as teachers and parents and discourse opportunities with their peers in order to develop this relational thinking. Research suggests that beginning fraction instruction by introducing equal sharing tasks helps us reach these goals. This will also help us get a better sense of how children are thinking about fractions and partitioning and fragmenting, one of the five mental actions discussed in episode 19. Examples of equal sharing tasks include the following. Two friends want to share five cookies so that everyone gets the same amount. And also, four friends want to share ten brownies so that everyone gets the same amount. When children are thinking deeply about partitioning or breaking into equal-sized parts and thinking about a given part of that whole, they might not automatically know how to write out that number in fraction notation. The point here is that that's okay. Just like we shouldn't rush children from the concrete directly to the abstract, we shouldn't rush them toward writing out fractions before they are ready. As Empson and Levi state, fraction terminology is not part of children's intuitive knowledge of fractions. Equal sharing tasks add meaningful context for children and afford them the opportunity to draw pictures to help them make sense of the mathematics that is happening. Drawing pictures is something that children are very familiar with. And without the formal language of fractions, children can still think about problems that have solutions involving fractional parts, such as equal sharing problems and they are very capable of representing their solutions without using fraction terms or symbols to describe the final share. So again, if a child is able to partition a rectangle into halves or thirds, and then can start to talk about it, but can't yet write out one half or one third, they're not in need of intervention or pages and pages of additional worksheet practice that has them writing down fraction notation. We need to remember that practice does not make perfect. Just because they are mimicking something and trying to please whoever it is that is giving them this practice doesn't mean that they really understand what they're doing. In person, children can use blank paper, a whiteboard and marker, or some chart paper when working with these equal sharing tasks. When thinking about online options, Google Jamboard is a fantastic one 
because it has a drawing tool and you can easily import pictures and add shapes. There's also ClassKick, along with a lot of other online whiteboard tools. All of these options will make it easier for children to share their thinking with classmates as well. These equal sharing tasks also lead to richer discourse and the opportunity to replace the basic question of how many are shaded in with one that probes thinking, such as how many of these parts fit into the whole. This type of question focuses on the size of the part relative to the whole and helps children understand that they have to think about the relationship between the size of the fractional part and the whole in order to determine the value of the fraction. Once children have had time and space to think deeply about the relationship that is happening when we talk about fractions, we can move on to talking about how to write a fraction in fraction notation. But in the meantime, until children are ready, what we can do as educators and parents is to write this notation ourselves when talking with children about their work, just to show them another representation while at the same time not expecting children to mimic our actions. Head to the Kids Math Talk website for an example of what an equal sharing drawing might look like. By the way, if you don't already have this Extending Children's Mathematics Fractions and Decimals book, I highly recommend it. The authors give easy-to-implement suggestions and write in user-friendly language for parents and educators. I purchased this book for myself a few weeks ago at the suggestion of a Twitter friend, and it's seriously a must-have for your own professional library. I'll link information about the book in the show notes for you. Before we go, I want to announce the third winner of the latest Kids Math Talk giveaway. We had four entries, and congratulations to Steph B. Singer, who writes, I'm so glad I found Kids Math Talk a few weeks ago. I've listened to three episodes and have greatly enjoyed the interviews that Desiree conducts, as well as a variety of teacher tips and insights. Thank you so much for that review, and be sure to email me at kidsmathtalk at gmail.com so that I can send you your free five practices in practice book. Maybe next time the winner will be you. Kids Math Talk listeners have the chance to win one of five of the five practices in practice books as part of our latest giveaway. Leave a review of the podcast on Apple, screenshot it, and then tag me on Twitter at Kids Math Talk or send me an email with the image to kidsmathtalk at gmail.com to enter. All listeners who have not won a previous giveaway are eligible. The fourth winner will be announced during the next episode. When we talk about mathematics together, when we keep the conversation active and positive, that's when we grow in our understanding and better learn how to support our students. Teachers, I have two challenges for you this week. The first is to talk to one of your colleagues about the definition of a fraction. The second challenge is to try out one of these equal sharing tasks with your students. And parents, talk to your child's teacher and ask them how they are using equal sharing tasks to help children access their funds of knowledge and build 
flexible thinking about fractions. I also challenge you to try out one equal sharing task with your own child. And then, whether you are a parent or educator, or both, I challenge you to take a picture of this thinking that you've done with a colleague or with children, and then tag me on Twitter, along with the hashtag KidsMathTalk, or post this thinking in the KidsMathTalk Facebook group so that we can continue to learn together and keep this conversation about math going strong on social media. Share this podcast with your friends and colleagues to keep the Kids Math Talk conversation going. You can always tweet me with questions or comments using the handle at KidsMathTalk. You can also head to my website, kidsmathtalk.com slash podcast for previous episodes of this podcast. And join us next week for another episode of the Kids Math Talk podcast.